All right, let's open up to Luke chapter 8, please. Luke chapter 8. This morning we'll begin reading in verse number 16, 1 6. Luke 8 and verse number 16. This morning I'd like to preach to you a sermon called Don't Hide Your Light. Again, a very obvious title, but the passage doesn't need anything fancy or tricky. It, uh, we're just going through the things that Jesus said, and you're not going to improve upon his preaching. We don't need to dress it up. How many of you know this song, This Little Light of Mine? We know that song? You guys know the hand movements that go with it? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Help me. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Now, see, get that stuck in your head for the rest of the day. You'll be walking around the house going, let it shine. <laughs> Just go through the mall. Just go through the mall. <laughs> People will wonder what happened. Luke chapter 8, verse number 16. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Let's bow our heads, pray about this. Father, help us this morning. We pray that the light that you are offering us today would not just uh, be accepted, but shine in our lives brightly. Father, help us. We don't want the world to hide it. We don't want the devil to blow it out. I pray that you would... Uh, Fan the flames this morning. Fill me with your spirit to give us all ears to hear. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You might remember from last week's sermon, we talked about the sower and the seed. And one of the main themes or main ideas in that passage was having ears to hear. The whole passage hinged on that thought. Jesus gave the parable and then said, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. And that is where everything, it came down to that idea. What does it mean to have ears to hear? Number one, there must be a reception of the Word. Number two, there must be a comprehension of the Word. And then number three, there must be an application of the Word. Reception, comprehension, application. Hear it, understand it, do it. If, if you are not listening for the purpose of doing it, if you have no plans or intentions of doing it, then you do not have ears to hear. And that same thought is going to loom large in our context today. As a matter of fact, you'll see when we get to verse 18, that is precisely what Jesus was referring to. 
In verse 16, Jesus gave us this illustration. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel. So he's talking about having this light shining. You, by the way, are the candle. Jesus' word, when received, understood, and applied, that is the light. Does that make sense? Just hearing it and understanding it, but without doing it, there's no light there. Right? That's not true light. That's, that's been received, but it's not shining. It's not helping anyone. It's not profitable. Maybe it's hidden. It's not bringing forth fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. So understand the, the parable or the illustration. When you've lighted a candle, Jesus has spoken to you, told you what to do, and now the candle is burning bright. Jesus is making an obvious statement. Who lights a candle and then hides it? Why would God light your candle? Why would He teach you something if there's no intention of you doing it? Right? The purpose of God lighting your candle was so that you could shine brightly in the dark world in which we live. No man, He says, when He hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel. In the other Gospels, Matthew and Mark, the vessel is defined as a bushel. No man puts it under a bushel. That's like a bushel basket. So you go out to the field, you gather in the fruit of the field in a bushel basket. That's something you do work with. That's activity. That's busyness. A lot of times, the lessons that Christ teaches us gets hidden with the busyness of our lives. We all have bushel baskets. We all have things to do, chores to do, jobs to do, careers to manage. And many times those things will cover up. Those are the thorns, if you will. Remember from last week. Those are the thorns that choke the Word. We hide it under a vessel. Busyness. A bushel. Or, Jesus said, no man would put it under a bed. That's the exact opposite of the busyness. That's the laziness. Some people use a bushel as an excuse to not do what Jesus has taught us to do. And others use just laziness. I just don't feel like it. Just laying around knowing that you ought to get up and get to work, but you hide it under the bed. It's either a bushel or a bed. It's busyness or laziness. Candles are meant to be lit. And once lit, they're meant to shine bright. Verse 16, that they which enter in may see the light. You know, light shines in lit places. I could put a candle on the pulpit this morning and light it. It would actually shine, but it wouldn't make much of a difference. But it would still be shining, isn't that right? That same candle, if you put it in a dark place, is it shining any brighter? Technically, no, but the way it is perceived, it would, shine, it would appear to be doing more because of, of where it's shining. It's one thing to be shining in a lit place. It's one thing to profess... Christ and to stand for Christ and sing for Christ and worship Christ in a lit place where there are other people shining and, bright, and, and brightly proclaiming, yes, I'm a follower and a lover of Christ, unashamed. But that light was meant to shine in a dark place. And this, I hope that you shine in a church. I hope that the, the, the flames, the zealousness of others around you I hope it fans your flame. I hope it, I hope it encourages you to shine brighter. 
That's the purpose, by the way, of, of getting near other people that are on fire for God is to stoke your fire. We all need that because it's easy for us to lose some of that warmth, some of that heat as the week goes. That's why we gather consistently. But the reason Jesus is teaching us these things and how to live is when we get out to our jobs, to our workplaces, homes, and schoolrooms, that's some of the darker places. Not everybody there has a light that's burning. They have that spiritual load shedding going on. And this is when it is of the utmost importance. It is the most difficult to shine bright in a dark place, but that it is, that's when it's of its utmost importance. That is when, listen, it's the same light that you have here. You feel the same way about Jesus there that you feel here, but it is of the utmost importance you let it be known there. We want you to feel free to express your love for Christ here and think of this as practice. <laughs> a safe place to work on your worship. <laughs> but this isn't the only place for it. As a matter of fact, this is the practice area for where it's really meant. The light is meant to shine in those darker places, to give light to them. Hold your place here and turn over to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And uh, take a look at Luke 8, verse 16 at the same time. Get Revelation 1 and verse 20. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a what? Luke eight sixteen. you all with me? He sets it on a what? Candlestick. How many of you during load shedding light the candle and hold it in your hand while the power is out the whole time? Wouldn't that be, I was going to say courageous, that'd just be foolish, wouldn't it? What kind of daredevil are you? Do you not understand the concept of fire make hand hurt? <laughs> Put fire down, it's not that hard. When you light a candle, it is meant to be set on a candlestick. That way the candle can burn brightly for a long period of time. If you hold it in your hand, lit, carrying it around, it will eventually melt the wax. The wax will hit your hand and you will drop the candle and the light will go out. It was not meant for you to take it into your own hands and go it alone. It was meant to be set on a candlestick. To set it there. To set it there. You say, Brother Mike, what's the candlestick? I'm glad you asked. Let's ask Jesus. Let's ask Jesus. Uh, Revelation 1, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden what? Candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven what? The candlestick is a church. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Jesus is the best interpreter of his own parables. <laughs> Jesus, what did you mean when you said light the candle and then set it on a candlestick? Longevity. I want that light to burn and burn and burn and I want him to finish the course. I want him to fight the good fight. I want it to last. I want it to endure unto the end. What's the best way to do that? 
get that light burning bright and then set it on a candlestick. Let me read you a quote from a book called The Pillar and Ground of the Truth by Dr. Kyle Stevens. He's the pastor of Blessed Hope Baptist Church in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. I had the privilege of visiting this church a couple of times now. He's been pastoring the church for over 30 years, written several books. By the grace of God, we're going to have him here to preach in the next few years. Kyle Stevens says it was the church that was designed to be the focal point where Christians are to be plugged in, empowered, enabled, and encouraged. It is within the ministry of the assembled church that God ordained a believer should mature and become fruitful. God ordained the pastorate, the deacons, the preaching and teaching, and the various gifts and manifold wisdom of the saints of the Lord within the church. As deeply and personally individual as the Christian life is, see, he acknowledges that we all have personal responsibilities. As deeply and personally individual as the Christian life is, the church of the living God is the pillar and ground of the truth. So says 1 Timothy 3. The Lord promised, I will build my church for the express reason that Christians in solitude and in singularity do not have a high survival rate, much less are they likely to be fruitful when isolated. He couldn't be more right. God has designed it so that when the light is, is burning brightly, it is to be set on a candlestick. When we lived in Malawi, we had load shedding there as well, but very different. They never gave you a schedule, ever. And we would lose power 12 hours, 24 hours. One time it was a 36-hour outage. Load shedding happened every day. But then there were also faults on top of the load shedding, right? So burning candles that side became very you know, common for us. Growing up in America, I remember losing power twice in the 26 years I was in America. I moved to Africa when I was 26. Uh, we, lose, we lost power twice. Once was in a tornado in Fort Worth, Texas, so we didn't blame them. They had a good excuse. The next time we were living in Florida and there was a hurricane, again, <laughs> we gave them a pass for that. just thought I'd tell you that. That really <laughs> has nothing to do with my sermon. It just, I, I just wanted to say it out loud. I've been wanting to say that for the 20 years I've been in Africa, but just want you to know it's possible. <laughs> but I, I, I say that because we, we didn't light a lot of candles in our home. We did, as a Catholic growing up, we burned candles every week, but that was in the church, and that's a different thing. But I didn't use them at home much. So when we got to Malawi, I didn't really know how to use a candle, if that makes much sense. I knew to light the top, but I didn't know anything about setting it on a candlestick. And then I realized, you know, because we had to light seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever of them and put them all around the house, you, you light what you have to light the bottom of the candle and melt the wax. And, and then you you set the candlestick there, you get a little hot wax there, and then you set that candle in the hot wax and it dries and it stays, it's stuck, it's plugged in. And then you light the top. 
And then you use that one, this is how we did it, you'd use that one that is, that is stuck in the candlestick. It ain't moving. It ain't moving. It had to feel a fiery trial or two to get stuck in that candlestick. But once it got stuck, it didn't move. It was there. You didn't worry about it blowing this way and that way. It was there. And once it got there and the light was burning, you could take the next candle and use the first candle. You didn't have to keep lighting a match every time. You could just take the first candle and use that for the next candle and then hold it up, get the bottom soft and then stick it on the next candlestick and then light it and then you could just keep going down the line using the first candle then the second candle could do the third candle you see where I'm going that light once it's shining bright and set on a candlestick it can touch dozens if not hundreds of other lives it says at the end of verse 16 that they which enter in may see the light other people are going to enter into the sphere of your life. And yes, we have entered into each other's sphere this morning. We are gathered, we are assembled, and perhaps your light is flickering and maybe about to fail. You can get some encouragement from someone else and get that light going again. But tomorrow when you go to work or school or wherever it might be, that's when others enter into your sphere, your your range, if you will. And when they're in range of you, they should see something's burning, shining in your life that they don't see elsewhere. Hold your place here. Get Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Let's begin reading at verse 15. Philippians 2 and 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. I think that would be an apt description of pretty much any nation in the world, yes? A crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as what? Lights. In the world, should you shine your light in a church? Absolutely. But you get nice and bright so that you can go out and shine in a dark world. So how do I do that? Look at verse 16. Holding forth the word of life. Right? You go to work and, and you act a certain way. You talk a certain way. And, and you know what will happen? Before you get saved, you went to work and you'd gripe, complain, and cuss, and dirty jokes, right? And then one day you get saved. You show up to work the next day and all of a sudden, no more cussing. Dirty jokes are gone. Griping's gone. Now you're being thankful and gratitude in the place of complaining. And, and other people are going to say, what happened to you? The light's shining. The light's shining. You hold forth the word of life. All of a sudden you go home and instead of yelling at your kids and your wife, all of a sudden you're patient and humble and meek and listening and loving and what happened the light's shining now and they'll go wow something's different about you and you say what made a difference jesus taught me to do it that way and you hold every time this is what jesus taught me to do this is how jesus taught me to do it and we hold forth the word of life we bring attention to it 
We started at verse 15, correct? Look at verse 14. Do all things. Oh, man. Why do you have to say all things? <laughs> do all things without murmurings and disputings. Do you see there's no full stop there? Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless. You see, this is, I, I, I very much want to say that you need to go and preach the gospel to the people around you. That is definitely a way to let your light shine. Yes, to light the next candle and the next candle. But letting your light shine is not limited to preaching the gospel to somebody. When somebody sees you acting differently than the rest of this darkened world, they'll wonder where did you learn to be different and then you can bring attention to the word of life to say Jesus taught me this way. Come back now to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 and verse number 17. Jesus, the preacher of all preachers, the way that he can use one statement in multiple ways. The statement he makes in verse 17, he makes this same statement later on in his ministry. You can read about it in Luke 12, but he uses it for a different purpose. It's amazing how Jesus can multitask, if you will, and, and say one thing but get across five messages at once. Verse 17, for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. In Luke 12, Jesus uses this concept to speak about hypocrisy. He's talking about wickedness and how, listen, you can hide your wickedness, but eventually it will come out. Now, now that's good preaching, and when we get to Luke 12, We'll cover that passage. Let me not say too much about it now, but just to remind you that you might be getting away with it now, but not forever. Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure. You know, when God says be sure, brother, you can be sure. You can be sure. You say, no, 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 no one will ever know. <laughs> be sure. Your sin will find you out. Jesus is not talking about that in verse 17. In Luke 8, verse 17, he's actually talking about something almost very opposite. He is speaking to people that have just heard his preaching, and they know he's right. They know that what he said is right, and they know they need to change their life to match what he said, but they are afraid of what everybody else around them will think if they make these big changes. So he is encouraging and even admonishing, warning, secret disciples, don't be secret about your discipleship. Don't be afraid to let your love and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ shine in your environment, wherever you're at, all the time, especially when it's dark. He's talking to maybe the fence straddler that's wondering, you know, I'm happy to do it as long as no one else is against it. But you'll, when I'm around people that aren't really on board with this whole Jesus movement, I don't know if I should speak up and shine. And Jesus is saying, listen, you can hide your Christianity, but eventually it will come out. You know, for some people, the only time they will ever publicly say in the presence of other people that they believe in and love the Lord Jesus Christ is when they get to heaven. 
think about that. When's the last time you did it publicly? When's the last time you said to another human being, I love the Lord and I want you to love Him too? When's the last time that happened? I'm giving you a moment because some of you are going to have to go way back. Way back. Why, I've seen grown men, strong, grown men, leaders in, in the secular world, come to a church service and deep down they know that Jesus died for their sins, was buried and rose again. They know that Jesus is the only way to the Father, that no one comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. They believe that deep down, but they get to a church service and the pastor says, if you love the Lord, say amen. And they just sit there quiet and stilt and Oh, but man, you're not quiet when you're everywhere else. Why you got to be quiet now? Anybody want to testify and just stand and say, I love the Lord? And those strong men just grip onto the chair in front of them. It's like one of these little potch earthquakes happening. What's wrong, big guy? What's wrong, boot? Come on, man. Come on, man. Don't hide that light. Don't be ashamed to tell people you love the Lord. Can you imagine how Joseph of Arimathea felt? He was a secret disciple. Why, he hid it from everybody. He was a leader of society, right? He was a rich man, counselor. And it was only after Jesus died that he went to Pilate and begged the body and said, please, let me have him. I'm gonna... He didn't even realize it probably, but he was fulfilling Isaiah 53. Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb prophesied 750 years before it happened impressive Joseph was a secret disciple you know there was a man that helped Joseph take the body of Jesus off the cross you know who it was Nicodemus another secret disciple after Jesus had died can you just picture in your mind those two cowards meeting at the foot of the cross. Hey, Nick. How you doing? Hey, Joe. Not so good. Yeah, me too. Sad day. Yeah, it is. This is a difficult day. Nick, you mind helping me get the body down? Joe says, yeah, I I don't mind. You know, so many times I wanted to stand up and say something because I've believed in Him for so long, but I guess better late than never. And Joe and Nick take that body off the cross and prepare it for burial. I wonder how much they wept. I wonder how many times they looked down at the lifeless face of Christ and thought, if I could only say something to Him now. But they hid it. Did you know in the time of Christ, many people did. The Bible says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on Him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And I believe Jesus aware of people believing on Him but keeping it secret is the reason He said, verse 17, guys, just let it out. Just say it. Just do it. Just apply it. Just make the changes. And when somebody says, why are you acting so differently? Unashamed, 
I'm doing it because Jesus said so. Not ashamed of it. Brother, sister, you don't need to be ashamed. Do what David said. Psalm 116, great verse. Verse number one, I love the Lord. That's a great verse to memorize, isn't it? Can you memorize that? Can you, have you committed it to memory in the time it's taken me to finish this sentence? I love the Lord. And that's one thing to say it in here. I encourage you tomorrow, go tell someone else that. I love the Lord. Say, I'm scared to say it. Then go show it with your life. When I was a teenager, a uh, clothing company came to our church. We were, I grew up in a Catholic church came to our church and asked if a bunch of us teenagers would model their clothes. I had nothing else to do. My dad wanted me to be more involved in church activities. <laughs> You're kind of hurting my feelings that you're laughing so much, but I, I, I modeled. I must have been 16, I guess. And... I don't know why they chose me for this part. I, <laughs> I had to dress up like a cowboy. I had, you know, dark black jeans, denim jeans, boots. I've never wore cowboy boots in my life. I had a Stetson shirt, Stetson hat, cowboy hat, vest, everything. I, I mean, you know, it was their clothing line. I had never been on a runway, like for a model, you know. I, I never runwayed anything. So we're all behind the curtain and we hear the music and we're supposed to walk out. And I've, I've only seen it on TV. So it was my turn. I pushed open that curtain. That, that runway, oh, it was so long. I walked down that runway <laughs> strutting, but I didn't know what to do. I'd only seen girls do it. So I got to the end. <laughs> Oh, I struck, I struck every feminine pose you could imagine. My priest and my dad were up in the, in the balcony just, oh, oh. And when I got back to the dressing area, everybody was laughing. I said, what's so funny? They said, you're dressed like a manly cowboy. You stepped out there like a girl. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I stepped out there with no shame whatsoever. God help me, I should have had some shame. <laughs> but hey, it was, they asked me to, to let that light shine, I just went out there and let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, should have. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I just let the world see this wonderful cowboy wear, unashamed. Now how, how? How is it that I can run, run down that walkway or walk down that runway and stand there bold as a peacock, ignorant as can be? How is it that I can do that for some Western wear that I didn't really like? You love the Lord? Then as you walk down the runway of this world, don't be ashamed to let that show. I'm not telling you to be obnoxious and foolish like I was with the Western wear. I'm telling you, don't be ashamed. Let that light shine. After I got saved, I went out, and many of you, you've heard me say this before, went out every night of the week with my pastor to try to evangelize. We went out two or three hours a night. One night, we're out evangelizing. 
we were in his van and we're traveling. Every time we'd see somebody in the neighborhood, we'd stop, get out the van. Thinking back, we had to have scared some people very badly because we'd open up this old creaky van, throw the side door open, run out of the van down the road after them. Man, this looks like a kidnapping for sure. <laughs> but we were hunting for souls. <laughs> we'd run them down. And Brother Freddie, one night we were driving by a bank. Now, Brother Freddie knew this neighborhood very well. I didn't know it so well. We lived in another town, another area. So <laughs> he, we're driving by, and, and the bank is closed. It's 7 p.m. at night. But there's a bench with somebody sitting on it looking towards the bank. You know, there's lights shining. And he said, hey, hey, Brother Mike, there's a guy sitting there. Hurry, go get him. I said, all right. We stopped the van. Creaky door opens. I whoo, 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 get there. I said, sir, I'm, I walk up slow because I could tell he's slightly older. He has a fedora hat on. I don't want to scare him too badly. So I said, sir, pardon me, sir, no movement. I said, oh, man, shame. He's, you know, maybe doesn't hear me still. I said, sir, sorry, forgive me, sir. And it was a little bit dark. It's nighttime, just a couple lights. I said, sir, I'd like to leave you something to read if that's all right, sir. Sir, um, there's a question on the front, and I extended the track towards his hand. I said, there's a question on the front. We just try to ask everybody, if you died today, are you 100% sure? And I I looked a little closer in. It was a statue. (laughs) My pastor had me run over to a statue. But I can honestly say, I preached to a statue. (laughs) So I, I, I went with it, right? I went with it. I thought, okay, pastor, good one. You got me there. I sat down next to the statue and just kept talking. <laughs> just <laughs> then I went back and Brother Freddie realized, you know, he's got some zeal but not a lot of wisdom. <laughs> I was determined to let that light shine. Why, why hide it? The reason Jesus gave me the gospel and saved me is so that others can see what a difference he makes in, in my life. I'm going to light that next candle. I remember after I went down to Bible school, I went to school all night, but I worked all day at McDonald's. I was a manager at that time. And I was in the kitchen one day working, and we had just finished a very hectic lunch rush. And by the end of lunch hour, it was a three-hour lunch rush from 11 to 2, a busy, busy day. And, and we got done, and four or five of the employees were standing back in, in the back part of the kitchen just laughing, cutting up, making jokes, and just enjoying themselves. And the kitchen was a mess because we just came through lunch rush. So I'm there with a broom and I'm sweeping things. You know, the old saying is if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. So, man, I'm busy. And I'm wiping off counters and sweeping things up and getting everything restocked. And after a while, you know, these guys just keep laughing and laughing, making jokes. And I'm working hard. I'm sweating and just, you know, putting my all into it. And they went, man, why don't you just take a break? Why don't you just calm down? Why are you working so hard? And I said, because Jesus told me to do my job as unto the Lord and not unto men. My boss is paying me to work, not to joke. And, and you know what? All of a sudden they all went, oh. And, and they, they grabbed a broom, grabbed a cloth. Because they, they just realized we are stealing money from our boss. Because the boss is paying us to do what? We're supposed to work. You, say, you see, I didn't preach the gospel in that moment but I showed them what a difference Christ can make in your life. Even working hard is a way to let that light shine. Folks, do you understand that when you go home and treat your family properly, love your wife, husbands, 
Wives, when you submit as unto the Lord, right, uh, to, to your husband as unto the Lord. Children, when you obey your parents, when you go to work and work hard, when you study and, and, and mind the prof and do your work at, at school with all, every time you're doing those things, you are letting the light shine. Because that's the way God told us to approach these things in life. When you stand in line at road traffic without complaining, you're letting the light shine. A lot of it. Do you realize how much effort that takes? That is no small feat. Everybody else around you is griping. I dare you to say something thankful in that moment. You go, well, thank God, at least, you know, we got a vehicle to stand here for. <laughs> I can see. We need to move on. We got way too much conviction on that. All right, verse number 18. You get the point. Verse number 18. Jesus closes this short message by saying, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. In Mark's gospel, the same story, it is recorded that he said, Take heed what ye hear. But in Luke's gospel, Take, ye theref- uh, take heed, therefore, how ye hear. So let me say two things quickly. Number one, the content is important. Be careful what you listen to. Guys, with the advent of YouTube, it is incredibly easy to heap to yourselves teachers having itching ears. Be very careful of that. The content, what you hear is important, but also how you hear it. So um, I think this is actually two sides of the pulpit. What you hear is that's coming from my side of the pulpit, but how you hear is coming from that side of the pulpit, your side. You need to come with the right attitude. And this takes us back to having ears to hear. Verse 18, take heed therefore how ye hear. For whosoever hath, all right, whosoever has, what does he have? What does he have? Whosoever has ears to hear. Whosoever has ears to hear, to him shall be given. You've heard me say it many times. If you come to church looking for something, you'll get it. If you want to hear from God, He will speak to you. And the same thing is true tomorrow morning when you open your Bible to read it. If you want to hear from God, He will speak to you. If you're hungry, He will feed you. Whosoever hath to him shall be given. But then this last part. And whosoever hath not. They don't have ears to hear. Now, now, let me remind you, reception, comprehension, application. If you don't have all three steps of that, you fit in this last part. Whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. I'll sum it up with a more modern phrase, use it or lose it. This is actually a very stern warning that Jesus is giving. If you don't have ears to hear, listen, you might have ears to hear for a while, but then if you lose them, you can also lose everything God's been telling you. Let me show you how it works. You hear, let's say, ten things. Say, Lord, the first thing you hear, I'll do it. You hear the second thing, I'll do it. Third thing, those are ears to hear, yes? And you do it, you do it, you do it, you do it. And then you get to that tenth thing. 
And you've come to church, ears to hear, you hear it and you go, whoa, 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 Lord. I've done those other nine things, surely that's enough. But this thing, now you know deep down you should do it. This is not a misunderstanding. You understand it. You just don't want to do it. Here's what we do. We, we can use even, we use our own wisdom, our own logic, our intelligence works against us. We even take our own knowledge of the Bible. We go, yeah, but, and we start to make excuses for why we're not going to do that other thing. Let me tell you the great, grave danger of doing that. Once you teach yourself how to get around doing what God told you to do, your flesh will then take that little bit of, of knowledge and that wisdom, that worldly, fleshly wisdom, and now apply it to all the other things God's told you to do. Now you know how to get out of it. You know how to justify your rebellion and your stubbornness. Oh, fine. Hey, I'm all reading the Bible, prayer, come to church, great. Tithing, hit the brakes. Oh, Lord, come on now. <laughs> now, okay, there it stands, but... Okay, then you're going to take that line of thinking, that little, that little method that you've created and apply it to whatever area of the teachings of Jesus you don't like. And all of a sudden, it starts to make sense to you. I don't need him to tell me what to do in every area. I can decide some things. Oh, once you go down that path, not his will, but mine be done. What you did have now falls by the wayside. And what you seemed to have, it, it looked as if you had it. The light was shining, but all of a sudden the light will get dimmer and dimmer until you don't even remember why you were shining at one point. Think of it like this. In a church, let's say 80% of the people hear the message and say, okay, I'll do that. And the other 20% say, ah, nah, that's not for me. Not going to do that. Okay. 80% goes on. What do the other 20% do? They, they start moving in a different direction. It won't, be, it won't be a massive difference, subtle at the beginning. The church starts to split. And what we seemed to have as a church begins to fall apart. Because we're no longer all on the same page of, if Jesus said it, I'll do it. And what you seem to have can be taken from you. That light, I'm going to return to my illustration to finish the sermon today, but that light, right, you're holding that candle in your hand. Listen, God commanded us to assemble. You folks know that. I don't need to hammer that point. You know that. We're set on the candlestick. Once you say, I, I don't think it's important that I'm set in the candlestick every week. Listen, I can do this on my own and take it into your own hands. It seems as if, you know, for a while, you can move about. You can be very careful. You have to go really slowly. Oh, it'll slow down your Christian life when you start to do it your way instead of God's way. But you, you'll move really slowly so as not to drip the wax because what you're trying to do is avoid pain for yourself. It's all about you. So, so move very slowly, very gingerly, but eventually that wax will tip over the side of that candle, burn you. You'll drop the light and what you seemed to have, because the candle was burning, right? 
what you seemed to have will be extinguished because you started to do it your way instead of God's way. That's the warning that the Lord Jesus Christ is giving us. He's saying, guys, and the two parables work together, the sower and the seed and letting the light shine. The seed has fallen into the ground. Now, don't let anything interfere with the fruit coming up. It's going to take some time, but let that fruit come up. Don't make excuses for why you don't want to do things. Let that light shine. Don't hide it behind busyness. Don't hide it behind laziness. Don't hide it behind reputation. Well, what is so-and-so going to think? They're going to think that you're following Christ. That's what we want. And then the warning comes in. Actually, there's a blessing first, right? If you have ears to hear, God's going to keep giving it to you. He's going to keep feeding you. But as soon as you develop this rebellion and stubbornness to say, Mm-mm. no, Lord, I, I, listen, I'll go that far, but no farther. That's where your growth stops. And God says, okay. I'm not going to continue to cast my pearls before a swine. You're just going to trample it underfoot. And God stops speaking to you because He knows you're not going to do it. The best thing we can do this morning, whatever light we have, say, God, unashamed, I want to let it shine. Tell me what else I can do, Lord. Because the more you tell me to do, the more I can do, the brighter the light shines. If your light has never been lit, if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, today you can accept the light of the world. He comes in, you can start to shine. Once we get you set, we can start using you to light other lives as you move through this world. Let's all stand, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I believe it with all my heart. There's a good number of you this morning, truly, truly, and I mean this, you love the Lord. I want you to be unashamed this morning. What's the Holy Spirit telling you to do right now? What's He putting His finger on right now? I want you to respond to it. You've heard it. You understood it. Now before that light goes out, act upon it. Don't worry about that. You act upon it. You make a decision here in church. Lord, I heard it. I understood it. I'm going to do it. Okay, as soon as you get home, do it. A few weeks ago, I gave you a chance to testify here in church. What a blessing it was to hear those testimonies, right? Wasn't that good? You know, every Thursday we give people a chance to testify. Take, take your opportunity. Take advantage of it. If you don't, you know what's going to happen? 
that thing that you seem to have will be taken from you. God says, okay, I gave you a chance. You didn't do it. And God in His mercy might give you another chance, but He doesn't have to. Some are here praying. If you need to pray, you can come. You can come forward and pray. If the Holy Spirit's telling you to do that, you do it. It'll be scary at first, and then you'll feel so much joy that you obeyed. Folks, maybe some of you need to pray about your bushel. Pray about that bed. Say, God, I'm always talking about how tired I am or how busy I am. There's always some excuse. How about you come lay those on the altar today? Come on. There's a spot right over here. On my left, you can lay it right there. Leave it there. Say, God, I'm going to leave my bushel basket right there. This coming week, I challenge you. Go through the teachings of Jesus and find one of his lessons that you can apply and then do it. After you've done it, find another one and then do it. Just try it this week. See how many of his sayings you can incorporate into your life. And you watch how that light shines. I, I don't want this to be an empty uh, commitment. Where you just say vaguely, yes, yes, I want to obey. I want you to get specific with the Lord. What exactly does He want you to change? If you are still praying, give them just a moment. Just a few moments, we'll close. But I, before I close, I want to ask, if, if you're here and you've never been saved, you realize what Jesus said about one day that'll come out? One day it'll come out. Everybody else around you may think, no, that's a Christian right there. But you know deep down you're doing it to keep up appearances. You have never personally talked to the Lord and told Him that you need Him as your Savior. If you've never done that, I'd like to pray for you before we're done. I'm going to close just now, but would anybody, no, nobody's looking around, just real quick, if you've never been saved, would you slip your hand up? You can put it right back down. Thank you, I appreciate that. Thank you for the honesty. You know, this is the best time to get these things out in the open. Don't wait till the judgment. Oh, please. One day it'll come out. Better to get it out now. Anybody else? Say, preacher, just pray for me. Never been saved but I'd, I'd like the Lord's help with that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Father, we thank you this morning for your time, help, presence, grace. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord. We need to get that fire refueled. Lord, sometimes this world does try to snuff out that light, encourage these many believers to let that light shine, to just be different in a dark world. And Lord, I pray especially for those hands that went up. Before they leave the building, God, might they know, might they speak to you 
and know that you live in their heart. Might they receive you today as Savior. Thank you, Lord. What a privilege it is to worship you together with this church family. Dismiss us with your blessing. Bring us back together tonight for our lesson. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.